Well, hello everybody and welcome today to this episode of Classroom Matters. Today I get to sit down and have a conversation with Don Goebel. Now Don is an award-winning multimedia instructor, international speaker, and published author from St. Louis, Missouri. The National Journalism Education Association named Don as their Broadcast Advisor of the Year 2015. Welcome to Classroom Matters, Don. Thank you very much for having me. It's really cool to be here. So let's start by talking. You have a fun fest or a learn fest coming up really uh, soon in Austin. Yes. Talk so, to us a little bit about that. Sure. So every summer I have a great opportunity to attend different conferences, journalism camps, to uh, act as a presenter, a workshop uh, leader. And so uh, the big one coming up this summer is called Learn Fest ATX. It's in Austin, Texas. Um, it is by far one of the best educational professional development opportunities I think there is. The, the focus is certainly on how we're integrating and innovative with technology and lessons in our classroom, but it's, uh, it's not a sit and get. It is all hands-on. It really focuses on collaboration, um, on really pushing the teachers to be the learners and not just sit and listen to a presenter. Of course, there are some amazing keynotes that'll be there, but um, every session and workshop has like a certain spin to it and, and fun to it. So for example, this year's theme uh, are the arcade games from the 1980s. And so one of my sessions is to teach uh, educators how to use a green screen in the classroom and why to use a green screen in the classroom. And so, um, and the simplicity of you. So what we'll do is we'll take the theme of the 80s arcade and as if it was like a research topic that their students or their mm -hmm. teachers might be looking at. And then we'll play with it that way. But it'll be all hands-on. It'll be uh, learn as you do. and. It's one of the things I love about it. Plus, they have, after hours, they have a poetry slam I'm going to take uh, part in, which I've never done before. Not a, I'm not a poet, but yet we all are. And um, so there's just a lot of fun activities around it. It's super fun. They have food trucks during lunch. They have bands playing during, during lunchtime. And they just make it super, there'll be like probably scavenger hunts, you know. So it's super fun. It's great people. Um, it's great networking. And then the learning always is absolutely amazing. So if people would like information on it, um, it's on my website, dongobel.com. It's on the homepage. You can click on it and register. In fact, even if they enter Gobel, G-O-B-L-E, they'll get a discount on the registration. But um, if they can, if you can make your way to Austin, it's a great place to be. So it's not too late for people to go and register for that? Not at all. Because can, I'm thinking I might want to go. It sounds go. really fun. <laughs> you definitely should go. Yeah, people can register right up until, I think, okay. pretty much up until June. So mm -hmm. it's June 11th. Uh, is like a pre-conference and then June 12th and 13th are the main conference days. The speaking event in Austin, amongst all the other things that you do. So <laughs> I've been on your website yeah. and if anybody else has been on that or wants to go to it, they will see that you are doing a lot of different things. <laughs> so tell a little bit about what you're currently doing in your teaching career. Sure. So Christy, I guess I just never stop. I'm always <laughs> looking for ways to get involved, but I'm also looking for ways um, to help. I guess that's just kind of why I really got into education. Um, everything on my side is free. So I have curriculum, I have um, you know webinars, everything on there is for free. So it's really um, an extension of what I'm doing in the classroom. So I've been at Ladue High School now, this is my 14th year. And I teach um, broadcast technology, it's the name of the class. I have a new class next year called Multimedia Sports Production. Um, but really what I'm teaching kids, uh, multimedia skills. Uh, filmmaking skills, video production skills, basic web development, because all of my students create digital portfolios um, to put their work on and blog about and teaching them social media 
and social media skills. And so really all of it has been organic, how I've learned. Everything that I've learned, it's been organic or going to these conferences or just doing it myself and totally failing. And, and that's exactly what I put the experience I put my students through in the classroom. It is all hands-on, it's all project-based. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go through some lessons and give them some structure and some basic lessons and some basic um, ideas that, that they should follow or could follow. But one of the things I love about my class and I think why my students love it and makes it different is that I don't give them, do this, do that, do this, and this will be the answer. There's lots of different ways of getting to the answer. And so kids really can explore in the classroom. They can explore their creativity. So it, it benefits every single kid. So the kid who struggles with creativity, which a lot of them do, we do a really good job in education of kind of knocking the creativity out of them by the time they come to me in high school. So I open that door back up for them to the kids who are really creative and then don't feel like they have an outlet for that in the regular public classroom. So they find that in mind. So, um, one of my goals is to kind of take that mentality and that philosophy and branch it out into K through 12, outside of a specific multimedia learning setting like mine. Um, and that's why I go to these conferences in Austin and present. That's why I've done that for the last decade, is to really hopefully encourage and inspire and give teachers ideas and um, real solutions and real examples of how they can infuse student agency and media technology and media literacy into their classroom. Now, you've been teaching for? This is my 14th year 14 at Ladue, so I, but I'm a career changer, so education's my third career. Right, and that's sort of what I wanted to ask yeah. you. You didn't have the traditional journey into education no. like a lot of folks do, get out of high school, go to college, become a teacher. Yeah. Yours was a, a little bit different. Yeah, you know, school, I was not a good student. School was the last thing I wanted to go to every single day, and you know, I was just, I was a C plus, B student, really had poor school experiences. So the last thing I ever thought would have been to be an educator. I actually went to, uh, in high school, got involved in radio and television and went to college for that, uh, radio, television, broadcast journalism at Bradley University, and was hired my senior year by a CBS radio and television station. And uh, it was great. I was a producer. I got a chance to be on air for a while once I lost my Chicago accent. And uh, I thought that would be my career. I really wanted to be the next Bob Costas, um, you know, from St. Louis. But um, you know, as I, as I tried to explore, it, I either was too experienced or not experienced enough and just couldn't quite find the right fit for about seven or eight months looking for a different job. And I had a friend who uh, lived in my hometown of Chicago who was making six figures in the information technology world. Really attractive, you know, right? This was like in the mid-90s uh, when the, uh, you, know, you know, the turn of the century, people were worried about computers and the advent of the internet really exploding and there was a lot of money. So... I jumped ship from radio and TV and uh, into that world. And that was fun for a while. I made a ton of great friends. And, but as I kind of moved up the, the business ladder of sales, it really, I didn't like it. Um, it wasn't for me. And what I learned that I liked was training people. I even did that at my radio station. I, I, I was the jack of all trades. As new people came in, I would train them. And then in my business job, the parts that I loved the best was when new people were hired, was training them on what we did. And so after the Y2K in the year 2001, so not too far after 9-11, uh, you know, the industry, the technology industry crashed, right? And so a lot of jobs were being lost, and I was part of that. Mm -hmm. So I took a long look at what I wanted to do, and I decided, well, I had a friend who said, you know, if you like training, be a substitute teacher. Try substitute teaching. And if you like substitute mm -hmm. teaching, you might really like teaching. I was like, look, I'm going to take some time off. I had some money stashed. Let's try it. 
So I was a substitute teacher in the Kirkwood School District. And I had everything thrown at me that you can imagine. My first day of substitute teaching, I had a kid with a panic attack. There was a fight in my class. There was kids putting uh, you know, chalk in the eraser. You know, we even had chalkboards back then. You know, they just tried everything. And I had the principal tell me, she's like, Don, I am so sorry. I hope you will come back. And I was like, I, that, this was actually really fun. I, <laughs> as crazy as it was, it was awesome. So that was kind of, that kind of cinched it for me. I was like, if I can get through that, this might be good. So that's how I got into education. Yeah, because subbing can sometimes make or break yeah. <laughs> whether you decide to go into teaching or not. And it's so funny that you say that because that's exactly how I got into teaching. I, I started subbing, did not was not on the path to education at all, started subbing, fell in love with the kids, and I was like, that's it, this is what I want to do. But it doesn't always turn out like that for everybody that subs. And no. it, especially it sounds like you were in some, you know, some situations where it was a little, you know, testy on a daily basis. For sure, yeah. And, you know, I, I jumped right into the fire. And I think what I realized was um, why I possibly loved it was I, I, I was empath had, was, had empathy for a lot of the, especially the kids who were struggling that day. And I found the kids that were really struggling at any class that I went to, I really kind of attached myself to them because I didn't feel like I had a good school experience. And so like most people who maybe eventually get into a career when they, you know, they, um, they're kind of attached to something maybe that didn't go well. Maybe if they were injured, they want to be a doctor or they see whatever. So, um, I wanted to give a better experience to students than I had. And I, <clears throat> I try to do that every single day. And it sounds like a lot of the reason you went into education was not just your love of, of mentoring and training, but relationships. Well, that's where it starts. So I love my content area. I try to, I try to master it as much as I can, video production and editing and cinematography and interviewing. But where it starts uh, and ends is with the kids. It's building those relationships and, and offering a, a space where the kids feel safe to come into, where they have fun, where they feel pushed, um, where they feel like I'm, I'm giving them higher expectations than they expect of themselves. Uh, and then having them reach those and match those or be, go beyond them and then have them thank me you know, for that. Um, having students come back later in life telling me that lessons they learned in our class have been beneficial to them uh, as a career outside of film or journalism or anything related to what they learned in my class. Those, so that's where it goes back to, and I think is big in education is the relationship piece where, you know, in our, I'm 46, so in our, my generation, um, I, don't, I can't recall a lot of tight relationships with educators. My kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Grafer, mm -hmm. I still keep in touch mm -hmm. with her. Uh, I had an English teacher in high school who was okay, but um, and then my, a college professor, um, and that's it. And so I, I want to be that for students because I think the you know kids they need that. We're in a, a an environment of high anxiety, high stress, mm -hmm. high expectations, college entrance. Look at all the college uh, admissions you know scandals that we've had. And our, I feel mm -hmm. that from the kids. I feel that pressure when they come into my classroom, and so I try to alleviate some of that. Well, and I was, and I went, and I was going to ask you, and you sort of hit on a little bit, but as you were talking about the relationship piece and how that's where it starts, and over the last ten years, there's been a lot of controversy over testing and assessments and expectations and Common Core and all of these new things that circle around. It seems like in the last five to ten years, and you've been doing this um, for quite a while. Would you say that it's easier or more difficult to build relationships now than it was, say, ten years ago with kids? That's a really, really great question. Um, I think it's hard. It's way harder. 
Um, when I first started, I found uh, ways to make, re I still keep in touch with those kids, more so than the kids in the last five years even. I think because um, they, I think they felt more allowed to take electives in school. They felt more, uh, they had more freedom to take classes they really enjoyed in high school. And I think in the last five to eight years for sure, they have been pushed to, uh, for more rigor, uh, the uh, advanced placement route, um, the uh, taking multiple cores in a, in a semester in high school. And um, so enrollment for me went really far down in the last five to eight years. Um, I used to have really large classes and those were great opportunities to build like a really strong team and build those strong relationships. Now, the flip side of that with, with lower enrollment, um, I have got to know the, you know, the, the smaller class sizes, but what I've seen with these kids is the pressure and the stress that sometimes they still can't break through in my class, even given all of the opportunities that I give them because their mind is somewhere else. Um, the pressure of, of its college or parental or if it's the pressure they're putting on themselves uh, or even just um, making sure they keep up with their snap streak, you know, streak yeah. uh, or the amount of likes they <laughs> right. get, right? So there's all of these pressures that, yeah, a decade ago weren't mm -hmm. quite there. So that's the challenge. That's the challenge then to overcome all of those and still maintain those relationships. So anybody that knows you would definitely say that you have a lot of innovative ways to go about teaching. Go through what a typical day in your classroom might look like. Wow. Well, um, I or is there a typical day? Yeah. <laughs> there might not even be a typical day. Yeah, every, <laughs> every day is probably different. It is. So, um, but what kid, kids get to know some some flow and structure. Um, you know, kids come into class and music is playing, and um, trying to get them jazzed to be there for the day. Um, you know, we do the normal, gre I greet them at the door, um, if at all possible, um, or I absolutely greet them by name every time they come into the class, uh, one by one or collectively, and I kind of go around and try to check in, and we don't spend a whole lot of time with that. Um, I like to jump right in after we get through that, and kids know that. It's like, it's, let's get to work. But while we're getting to work, it's, it's fun. We allow for a lot of creative freedom, um, but really then, you know, I go through, through some instruction, uh, what we're gonna do for that day. They always know the agenda, whether it's uh, online or on the board or whether I present it. And kids can go get equipment. They, go, they know exactly where they're supposed to go uh, because I expect that and I push those kids. I set those boundaries and those expectations in the first few weeks of school that when you come in, I expect you to know what to do today. I expect if you don't know what to do today, then that's what you're doing today. You're coming to talk to me or you're going to talk to your partner or you're going to talk to a trusted classmate. Uh, and I trust that you will check to see what's online. I try to give kids a lot of resources. Uh, I will model for students, we'll watch examples on video, uh, and then I ask kids to recreate that. You know, I check for verification and then I allow them an open space to explore and to try things and learn by failure and walk through and tell them it's not a one-time thing you know, go ahead and do it, let me check it, let's go ahead and do it again. So uh, we're fortunate to have a beautiful space at Ledoux. Kids can kind of move around through a studio, through a workroom, through a computer lab, through some private learning area spaces, private editing labs. And so um, the space itself, I think, dic dic dictates uh, that the kids can feel, feel kind of open and can move around and um, not confined to a desk. And I think that opens everything a little bit as well. And then I kind of move around the room and I work in small groups. I'll work with one one-on-one. -on -one. When kids are struggling in one area, we'll co all come back together and we'll discuss it. 
So that does lead for a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, days to look very, you know, up and down and all around. Do you think that some teachers are a little intimidated or afraid to take on that approach because they're worried about behaviors or the kids getting out of control? Because as I'm listening to you, it sounds, and I've, I've listened to your student testimonials, I've watched the students, <laughs> I've heard what they've said about you. Um, so it's working. What you're yeah. doing is working mm-hmm. and it's effective. And I think it's vital for the way kids need to learn to move on to the next stage of their life. How do you keep everybody in check if you're just letting them sort of go about their own business. Yeah, I, you bring up a really good point. And I've had a lot of people tell me, well, it's the content that you're teaching that allows for that openness and creativity. And uh, Do you for, agree with that? Yeah, I'll agree on, on, on so, one yeah. level for yeah. sure. Absolutely. There's no way I can disagree with that. But then I, I push back a little mm-hmm. bit as well. I do think it's really hard for teachers to um, uh, leave the structure, leave the format that they uh, grew up in, that maybe they were trained in. I think training in universities could be a lot, that's where it starts. Um, because I went back to school and I saw you know, how, so I told you I wasn't a very good student, but when I went back to um, get my master's and my teaching certificate, I got straight A's. Why? Two reasons. One, I knew the game of school by then, and it's a game. Mm-hmm. And two, I had a work ethic that was developed. So. Um, but a lot of our kids, they don't have that work. So where do they get that work ethic? Well, they won't learn a work ethic until you give them an opportunity to learn that work ethic. And do we have some bad days? Sure. Do I have some, some behavioral issues? Sure. But they're minimal. Now, on one case, because the kids want to be there. I absolutely get that. They like the content. They like what they're learning. But I also think we, we can make learning fun. And it doesn't matter what the content is. And I think if we can make it relatable and use the tools and the technology that the kids enjoy learning, rather than banning them, tucking them away, and restricting them, um, I think that could lead, that's an open door to a relationship with a student, with a young person, no matter the age. Um, and it looks different at every level. You know, I'm talking about high school. That looks very different for a third grade class of 28 sure. kids. Trust me, I get that. Mm-hmm. But I also will push back and say there are opportunities every single day that we could allow our students some more freedom, some more creativity uh, to help build those work ethic skills in our own curated classroom environment. Um, And I I promise the kids will respond. I've seen it outside of my classroom. I could obviously talk to you more about the students who have expressed success in my classroom. it would be even better to talk to the kids who I've seen successful from the teachers that I've had a chance to work with and who have said, all right, we're gonna try this in our class today. We're gonna, you know what, rather than writing what our thoughts are today, there was this guy at a workshop who who suggested that we all take out our iPads or we take out our Chromebooks or our laptops and we record our thoughts. I would like you to just tell me in your own words three things that we learned about that story today rather than writing it. How does that sound to everybody? And the kids love it. And suddenly now that teacher can take all of that video home and listen to the voice of every single child. Because I can tell you from personal experience, I have a child who struggles to take the information from their brain and put it on paper. But when I have recorded him or he's recorded himself, his thoughts after he's read a full chapter and can describe the, the themes and the, 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 uh, what the character has gone through, he can de- explain it in great detail. 
But when I have them read that chapter and I say, you know, I'd like you to write those three things that you learn on a post-it or in a full paragraph, he looks at me so lost and confused. Um, but if we can record it or then voice text or then take those ideas, keep playing back that video over and over. So there are really simple ways mm -hmm. of taking media and leveraging it to uh, reach a child and reach what they're really thinking and what they really do know rather than being told they don't know because they can't write it. Yeah, and I think it's so amazing that you are actually moving forward with society and the kids and the technology because you, well, I'm 46 too, so when we were in high school, these things weren't even offered because we didn't need these things. The technology wasn't there. It's not right. what it is today. Right. And so the fact that you are actually moving forward with what the world is moving forward with and keeping kids sort of abreast of what their careers are going to be, and maybe they don't even know that yet because, you know, we've all heard there's careers that don't even exist yet that kids in five years are going to be trying to do. So it sounds like your kids are able to choose a lot of their own personal projects, a lot of things within their classroom. So I can't help but wonder, what are some of the more fascinating or really interesting projects that some of your students are working on? Wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's another big question. Yeah, they get to choose their topic. And, and I think by choosing their own topic, uh, obviously the point is they'll be interested, they'll be engaged. Uh, it's something they want to do. It's not an assignment for Mr. Goebel. Um, you know, we, do, we, we will go through some assignments, but um, if they can choose the topic and then fit the structure or the theme of what we're creating, whether it's a six-word story or a news package or a personal profile video, whatever it is, um, if they get to choose the individual. So we've had some really good ones. Um, in fact, we've had some that have uh, uh, worked out here for HEC Media and Educate.Today. Uh, we had a chance to, to interview one of our teachers who is a Marine um, and talk about his experience in the Marines. Um, we've had a chance, students have had a chance to, one of the best stories is I had a student who loved the Cardinals. He loved the Cardinals and he thought, uh, John Rooney, who does the, uh, the radio play-by-play, -play, has for, forever, uh, well, it seems like forever for the Cardinals now. He loved John Rooney. And uh, he's like, boy, if I could ever interview John Rooney, that would be great. Um, but they, they wonder, well, how are we going to get in touch with John Rooney? Well, at the time, there was a beautiful thing called LinkedIn. And it just so happened that a former uh, 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 co-worker of mine who was in the industry was linked into John Rooney. So I did, and he kind of did a cold message out to John Rooney uh, on LinkedIn, a social media platform. And... John Rooney replied, you know, yeah, I would love to talk to your students. So we set up what we thought was going to be a five to ten minute meeting between my student, uh, who was a sophomore at the time in high school, uh, hadn't done a lot of video at the time, and John Rooney. He was going to meet him hours before a Saturday afternoon game for the, for the Cardinals. Um, he walked in. He met John Rooney. He started to sit down and talk, and uh, uh, John Rooney said, well, we're not just going to stay in this room and, and talk, are we? Or why, why don't you come along with me? So my student, through the lessons he learned, put the microphone on John Rooney. And six hours later, wow. he had spent the day in the broadcast booth, got down on the field before the game, had a chance to meet Mike Shannon, and had some amazing video footage from the broadcast booth and kept John Rooney mic'd up, uh, mic'd up throughout the day, came back and was like, Mr. Goble, Mr. Goble, you're not going to believe I have six hours of footage. It was amazing, and uh, he was hooked. And so you never know what you're going to get from somebody unless you ask. And we have this amazing tool of social media where we can reach out to authors, we can reach out to scientists, we can reach out to 
Pulitzer Prize winners that were just announced recently, and we can reach out to these people. They may or may not get back to us, but what if they do? Mm-hmm. Um, now there's, there's a real window into uh, excitement for learning for kids. So it's great that kids are able to pick their personal topic. Yeah. How many times have you had to say, uh, we might need to pull that back a little bit. How many times have kids come with something that might not be appropriate for the school setting? Or has that ever happened? Absolutely, it's happened. I'll give you a great example, and uh, it's on my website. It's one of our one of my more popular lessons because the kids love it. So, I I teach kids the basics of cinematography through learning six word stories. So Ernest Hemingway's mm-hmm. six word story. Uh, so we first learn about Ernest Hemingway and what a six word story is. And Ernest Hemingway's for sale baby shoes never worn. If you're not familiar with it. And so this student wanted to um, create a story in six words, and he was struggling with the words, really struggling with what words he wanted to come up. We wanted it to be very personal. We wanted it to be a personal story. So immediately a lot of kids wanted to tell happy, fun-loving stories, which was great. And through that, they were then going to use six basic cinematic shots to tell their story. So this individual, Keith, um, was really struggling. He came to me and he said, Mr. Goble, so I want to do this story. you know, my dad, he, he caught me doing some stuff, you know, I shouldn't have been doing. And uh, he kind of explained what it was. And I was like, okay, so Keith, we can't depict that on camera. Um, keep thinking, keep thinking. Mm-hmm. So he went back and he was kind of a mad scientist. And so during class, he's thinking, he's thinking he's drawing ideas up. He comes back and he tells me another situation, like where it was just really not, it was not good. And so I was like, Keith, I really appreciate you telling me this really personal information. However, what you're talking about, we can't depict on screen. Like, it's just not school appropriate. I'm like, what are you really telling me? And he's like, well, my dad doesn't trust me because I've lied to him uh, so many times. And I go, what did you just say there? That's really good. Trust and lie. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, so take those two words and let's build on that. So, again, he goes back, mad scientist, and he's like, okay, I think I have an idea. So at the end of class, he's walking out, the bell's ringing. He's like, I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to film dominoes. And do- one, one lie led to another that led to another that led to another. And the dominoes are going to kind of knock down, and that's going to be my metaphor, my visualization. I'm like, that's awesome. I love that. So he went home, and he records these dominoes. And what do we know about dominoes? They're really small, and he wanted this story to feel big because it was like big lies. Like he was really taking it to heart. So he walked around his house, and he found um, some bricks in his dad's in the garage because his dad had recently I guess done a new patio so he's like okay bricks are like dominoes I can use those those are bigger and he had a younger brother who had sidewalk chalk played with sidewalk chalk he's like I can draw on the bricks and he had a mom who was into fabrics and sewing and things like that so he got a ribbon and he tied the ribbon around two bricks with his name on it and his dad's name on it and when that truss was broken he was going to use scissors to cut the ribbon and start the domino effect of the bricks and then he's like, well, how can I put my dad and I in it without actually being in it? So he found a picture of his dad and himself on a picture frame, and he put it on the floor. And the last shot was going to be the brick falling on the picture mm-hmm. frame, shattering the image, again, metaphorically, the shattering the relationship between he and his dad. So what turned out to be like these really like inappropriate ideas, but this kid really opening up turned into a, yeah. a beautiful, beautiful story and a video that's been watched uh, you know, thousands and thousands of times, and I use it in every one of my workshops. And as powerful as the video is, the story behind it, I think is just as powerful because it, what, it, what it shows is, is that you really need to push your kids past the first idea. 
you really need to challenge them to go beyond that first thought and and allow them some creative mm -hmm. choice. Um, even though the restrictions were six words, six shots, no two could be alike. You have to use audio to enhance the story. So I had this content, right? I had these, I, these, these lessons that needed to be a part of it, but the subject matter was a little more open and free. And it turned into this beautiful uh, story. And ironically, you know, he's graduated now that uh, years ago. He actually came back last week. I got a phone call from the main office and they said, uh, Don, do you, do you remember a Keith Hoagland? And I was like, yeah, I remember Keith. He said, well, he's here to thank you. I was like, he's here to do what? He's here to thank you. I'm like, send him back. So he came back and he's like, I just have to thank you. I got my first freelance video job and I'm using techniques you, you taught me, especially during that project. And he was just so excited. He went on and on. And, it's, and that, that's the value of teaching right there. That's why I do what I do. But it's also, I think, a great example of, of what students can and will be. Yeah, that's really powerful. That's a really powerful story. And I know that that's probably one of many that you have. And so it sounds like you're really not only just teaching the content, but you're getting kids to look inside, sort of turn inward. Because a lot of these assignments, it sounds like, are a very personal thing. And it sort of forces them to look more inward to produce something um, and it, it means something to them. It's meaningful. And like you said earlier, it's not just an assignment that the teacher said, here, look at the syllabus. I've already got all your assignments. When you really think about that, how in the world can we gauge what our kids are going to want to do by the end of the year at the beginning of the year if you don't even really know them yet? Exactly. So it sounds like you're making a, a huge difference in a lot of these kids' lives. Well, I think the personal piece is important. Number one, do it early. And there's there's a couple of video projects I think that you could do early that are on my site. There's an IM project, you can so kids telling about themselves. I get to know all about my students in the first two or three days of class just by using iMovie trailer and they use photos or videos they already have. But then I'll have teachers say, well, Don, that's great. Again, how do I do that in my class? And so one thing that I like to explain is, you know, the students can be the journalist of your class. Now, journalism has been under fire here in the last <laughs> few years, but there's a real big place, I think, for teaching journalism. So what if that third grader or that fourth grader was the journalist, uh, the reporter, of that book, of that lesson, and they had to interview another student in class to find out what they know about it and maybe make some personal connections in their life to each lesson. Every good educator knows that when you can personalize a lesson, the student's gonna be more interested. I mean, they just are. They're, they're, it's just logical, right? And so I, sometimes I think like, you know, we feel this pressure to get through the curriculum, to meet those standards, to meet those end of course mm -hmm. exams, to meet the map testing. Um, but if we just took a step back and even chose a few minutes each day to allow our kids maybe to interview each other on what they learned, find the personal connection and record it into that device we have in those classrooms. Because every classroom in a lot of schools now, although there's, there's still a huge gap we need to work on, but more schools are getting accessibility to devices. You know, we have a whole generation of kids growing up who have been given an iPod touch or an old phone or a device when they're one or two years old. So many of them personally have them, and yet we're still keeping them out of the classroom mm -hmm. for those schools that aren't getting a one-to-one -one or a classroom edition of, of whatever, a Chromebook or an iPad, whatever it is. And so using the tools that we have and finding little ways to make that personal connection to every single assignment, um, whether it's big or whether it's small. I'm lucky I get a chance to make really big personal opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I promise you every, every teacher and every student will appreciate those small personal connections you can make, specifically with media. I think media really opens the door mm -hmm. to allow teachers to do that.
What do you want your kids to remember about your class when they walk out the door at the end of the year? If you get it, top three, top three things. Yeah, well, I, I want them to feel empowered. I want them to know that they are in charge of their learning, not to expect the learning to come from the teacher. Because when they go off to college, or if they go to, you know, whatever they do post-secondary, if they go to a job, you know, their boss may give them some instructions, but they're not going to hold their hand. You know, when they go to college, that te- they're going to meet that teacher. They may not even speak with that professor often. It might be a TA, and they won't even get the information they need unless they seek it out. Um, I want kids to know that they are empowered of their own, to take the initiative of their own learning. That's, what I, that's one of the big things I try to instill in my class. And that really challenges a lot of kids. But if they can leave with that skill, then they can leave with, um, hopefully, uh, a mentality of the, the one student who I have in one of my student testimonials who was a captain, is a captain in the Army, who said some of the skills he learned in my class prepared him the most to be a captain in the Army. I was like, okay, you got to tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's, he's like, well, the teamwork and taking initiative of what I was in charge of but counting on the person next to you, but also focusing and being responsible for your, for your job as well. He's like, that's what I do in the military, Mr. Goble. That's my job in the military. So it goes beyond the technology skills and goes more internally. And then I, you know, I want kids to know that we're all creators. We are all creators. And you know, they may not be a filmmaker or a video producer or a journalist, but there are so many jobs that are out there that if they know how to produce a short video, or could write for a video, or know how to analyze and critically think about the, the media that's being thrown at them, they will be an asset to absolutely any single business in the world. Um, and then probably the third thing is to uh, pay it forward and build those relationships themselves and like be curious. Because part of the job in, in our class, you know, we'll, we'll go out and we'll do interviews. That's a big foundation of our classroom is to learn how to do an interview. And one of the lessons I think they learn is to be curious. And that's a skill they can take anywhere they want. Um, and whether it's through a job interview or whether it's talking to somebody at their grocery store and never knowing what that might lead to. Because as you and I were talking about earlier, sometimes uh, before we started recording, it's sometimes where you are, mm-hmm. when you're there, and the conversation you're having with that person that could potentially lead to a new opportunity in your life. And so if they can leave with those types of skills out of my classroom, uh, I feel really good about what we've accomplished. Yeah. Well, I know that there are so many other things we could talk about <laughs> probably all day. Yeah. But I want to um, just give you a final opportunity before we wrap up. www.dongobel.com. That's right. And what are people going to find on that? Well, and it's D-O-N-G-O-B-L-E. Dot com. Sometimes we get it wrong. So what are you going to find on there? You're going to find published content that I've worked with Apple Education on assignments that um, any teacher can use, K to 12. doesn't matter the uh, camera device, but you will need some kind of device to do some video recording and it's some interviewing or it's the six-word story I talked about or it's having your student become the citizen journalist of their class. Um, You will also find on there webinars on how to infuse technology and video into the classroom. The webinars are free. Uh, they're under my, my workshops. Um, there's curriculum on there. So if, if there are teachers who teach journalism or broadcast, I have curriculum on there. If there are teachers who want to find new ways to infuse media into the classroom, maybe using an app like Adobe Spark or just using the camera app on their phone. I, and then a general, how do I grade a video? There's a general grade, video grading rubric on there. So you'll find scoring guides. 
Um, you'll find where I'm t speaking and when, if you want to get mm -hmm. in contact with me. There's a contact page. I always respond to educators who want to reach out and have questions, especially if they pull something from my site and they try to implement it and they're like, I'm stuck, what do we do? Absolutely, I mean, I'll have, I've had video conferences then with classes. I've had my kids jump on there. We had kids teaching kids in Texas, in Australia, doing video conferences mm -hmm. through the lessons that the uh, other teachers pulled from my site. So there's really cool ways that we can collaborate. Um, all of my social media information is on there. And I 99% of what I put out there is hopefully going, it, it, it's not personal, it's it, like my, about my life. It might be stories from my students, it might be lessons, it might be articles I think we need to be uh, you know, reading about or, or be aware of, and so I keep all of that, try to keep all of that fresh. Podcasts mm -hmm. will be on the website, so I'll put this one on there as well. So a lot of, lot of good content on there for any teacher, uh, I hope is helpful, and um, I hope people give it a visit, and if they have uh, needs or questions, they get in touch. And I hope you come back after your conference, Yeah, maybe later in the year, sure. and tell us all about it, because <laughs> okay. I would love to have you back on the show. I would love to come back, Kristen. It's thank been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you.